Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May peace and blessings of God be upon you all. Welcome to you all to the Drive Time Show here at Voice of Islam. You're listening to myself, Rahil Ahmed and Fahim Nasser. And we'll be here for the next two hours discussing two important topics. Uh, today we have for you in the first hour, childhood hunger, where we'll be discussing um you know how in around the world you know so many families go without food and they don't have uh you know you know ability to 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 feed their cho- children and the issues around that um with regards to education you know as well as upbringing nutrition and all of these things we're speaking to our guests as well um and we'll be speaking we will we'll be talking about um in the second hour we'll be speaking about Jalsa Salana, the annual convention of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, which is held every year. Uh, the topic that we have is Jalsa Salana, tracing the historical significance of religious gatherings. With a short introduction, Fahim, what are you expecting from today? I'm, I'm really excited uh, yeah. about today's discussion. Mm-hmm. I think that um, although childhood hunger is an easy subject to discuss, yes. I think that it's one that is relevant and important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no one likes to ever see or hear about children suffering. So Absolutely. we're going to learn more about that today, though. Um, and yeah, tell yeah. us next week. So I'm getting excited. I'd love, to, yeah. I'd love to know more about the, the historical significance uh, yeah. of the convention. Uh, this one feels like it's going to be ever so special because it's, gonna, it's the first international one after exactly. many years. So, yeah, looking forward to the, today's discussion and next week. Absolutely. So, you know, beginning with the first pro, uh, show today, which we're in, in which we were discussing childhood hunger, um, in Nigeria, 27% of families experience foodless days. In India, it is about 24%. In Peru, it's about 14%. One in nine people go to bed each night hungry including 20 million people currently at risk of famine in south, south of Sudan, Somalia, Yemen, and Nigeria. So 98% of the world's, you know, world's uh, hungry living uh, is in developing regions. Mm. Um, and the highest number of malnourished uh, people, about you know, 520 million, live in Asia and the Pacific. So you so know so where it's happening, isn't it? Exactly. You know where, where the problem is. Mm. Um, now... In Africa, in the sub-Saharan Africa, 243 million people face hunger uh, in arid countries and millions of people in Latin America and the Caribbean are struggling to find uh, enough to eat. Now, it's it's mind-boggling when you when you see our world today and the amount of food we actually produce, mm. which is sufficient you know, to feed the entire world. The question is, why is it yeah. that people are going to sleep hungry, especially kids? Um, and this is something that we are going to be you know, d- discussing this further. Yeah, I think um, just those stats alone, I think if we can, anyone listening or you and I as well, just remember that, you know, wasting food, like when you know that there are people out there that are malnour- malnourished, that are experiencing foodless days, uh, going to bed hungry, yes. and yet you have a full plate of food and you're like, you know what, I don't want this or... I'm throwing it away. Like, unless you're, like, allergic to it, like, and I'm not saying force yourself to eat it, but there are other people, you know, that could do with it. And, you know, making sure that you don't 
either over order or put too much into your plate i think yeah. is one thing that you need to remember because there are people out there children children who have like no means at all like that are suffering from hunger um so i think that's just an important thing to start today's show on and um, yeah. yeah and discuss now the the islamic part of it right absolutely I mean, Islam is ordained, uh, and we often speak about Islam because it's a voice of Islam. <laughs> you know, to, to the radio here, we're rep- representing Islam here. I mean, there's so much emphasis in, in the Quran and charity during the month of Ramadan or else. Uh, we know it as being part of, you know, the, the only Muslim community um, that, that Islam has ordained sympathy for poor and, and downtrodden. Uh, and the uplift is, 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 is a major concern at uh, its, its, its very inception. Um, and a study of the chapters of the Quran, the Holy Quran, that were revealed in the beginning of Islam shows that the most dominant message in these verses is to support and uplift the poor. Muslims are told that if they they, they desired national progress and, and, and God's pleasure, then they must try to help the poor and alleviate their sufferings. And so from the start of the Quran, the, the Quran drew attention to supporting and uplifting the poor. The people were reminded that nations that did not help the poor not their poor people and ignored the rights uh, you know of of such people in need uh, in society were destined to be destroyed and would face god's wrath um, now history shows us that the first chapter to be revealed was surah al-alaq which is chapter 96 the opening four verses of surah were revealed in the first instance followed by a gradual revelation of the chapter uh, spread over a short period and if you look at you know four of the chapters that followed immediately after the surah we find that three of them declaring declare taking care of the poor to be necessary for salvation and national progress so this is something you know uh, just to just to put out there because there's so much we are going to discuss going forward with regards with regards to what islam says mm. about feeding you know poor and what the character of our beloved prophet was yeah. in the in this regard um that that you know the companions there came a time where you know um they gave half of what they had to the brothers who migrated to Medina yeah right and so the amount of sacrifice is also involved uh in this as well definitely and um so before we get to like further into the conversation i know that yes. this is a question that i'm always asked and you know i i i wanted to ask you Rachel, i wanted yep. to know like because a lot of people say this, you know, if God is all loving and all merciful, and mm. why are there children who haven't done anything <coughs> suffering yeah. with hunger like this? Yes, it's uh, it's an obvious question that is always sort of brought forward. Now, the the point is that Allah the Almighty has never claimed in the Quran or or in his in his teachings that there will not be suffering. Hmm. Suffering, he has said, is, is part of life. He says, well, He says, we'll try you with with fear, we'll, we'll do with hunger. The very next thing is hunger. Yeah. Right? Um, you, would, you would lose out in terms of wealth. But give glad tidings to those who are patient. And the point is because that is the very thing, the suffering and the affluence that we see in the world it, it, that is the very thing that gives an opportunity to us as believers who are in a better situation to help people. Yeah. Right. In in both cases is a test. So for the for the poor, for those who are suffering, is a test of their patience. Yeah. Whereas those who have 
you know, enough is a test of how they deal with what Allah has given them. Yeah. So both are in the this element of test. So this is, I mean, this is briefly to men- mention that no way God has actually claimed that, uh, you know, that they will not be suffering. Every yeah. one of us is suffering in one way or another, right? Uh, yes, uh, we see around the world there are, there are many many people uh, around the world who are who are suffering way more than us, right? Uh, and this is why there is there is so much emphasis, you know, in mm. in the Quran, you know, uh, feeding the poor, uh, you know, uh, you know, alle- alleviating, you know, su- suffering of, of 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 mankind, and this is some something that that from the very get go, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him implemented in society and the very one of the first people that actually believed in him were were, were those who didn't ha- or who had no say in society who were very very poor mm. so this goes to show that islam actually you know came to 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 allevi- alleviate these su- su- sufferings definitely yeah no i appreciate that answer because that's something that people ask quite often and you know one, well, sorry uh, one thing i do want to add is it, it it doesn't do away with the idea of god yeah. right one could say oh, oh it's not a just god yeah. That's another different discussion that we can have, you know. Which yeah. we, uh, and there, there are many, m- many reasons for why Allah has created this world in the way it is today, yeah. right? And ma- one of the reasons I've given so that there is an opportunity for those who have more to, um, you know, to 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 feed others. And yeah, and we're exercising our free will as well, right? Ex- exactly. So um, yeah, no, I I appreciate that, and I think that. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that it made me think about is uh, actually a discussion I was having recently um, was about how um, they, you know, there are people who are on the street in the UK, for example. Yeah. I can only give if my experience um, outside of supermarkets. Mm-hmm. You often see them, and I know there are people who have um, yeah. often said to me. That is that you know, oh, these these people are actually planted here by the, a mafia, like you've seen, like it's shown oh, in yeah, yeah. various documentaries, films, and stuff. That yeah. you know, these people are planted there. And, mm. You know, it's it's all a money making scheme. Yeah. Um, and I had this discussion recently where it's like, okay, so um, this person is, um, this person is asking me for money or food or whatever. Yeah. Right. And I can sit there and I can be like, you know what? Uh, I don't think this person is genuine. I mm-hmm. think that they're they're part of this mafia. But then, uh, someone very rightly said to me that um, ultimately, uh, when you are asked by God when you when you die, um, God's not going to ask you uh, like how did you judge that person. Mm. Um, God's going to ask you like, oh, um, my creation asked you for some help. Did yeah. you help them? And uh, I think that that's just one thing that really made me think that, Mm. you know, when you see these people and they ask you for something to like give it to them because ultimately you can control only what you do and you can't control um, what anybody else does. That's wonderful. And, and, you know, this is um, this is um, um, this is this is an important one because I've had this as well when I visited, let's say, Pakistan elsewhere. Where uh, you know some of our friends have said, look, these people are, and, and there is, there are mafias out there. To mm. be very honest, who, yeah, I'm, I'm not denying that for sure. Of people, and the reality is, you know, we don't know. We don't. I mean, know. we can never know. Mm. And at the end of the day, you're being, you're being, uh, you know, uh, rewarded for the, the intention that you have. Yeah. Now that also comes with responsibility because you don't want to aid that mafia as well. Yeah. Right. You want to. 
that's why in Islam there's there there is one of the greatest charity is to look around within your family of those people who will need help yeah. it has to begin there charity right? begins at home exactly and this is this is why and this is the thing and and Allah the Almighty actually says that that they are poor he mentions the holy quran that you you will not recognize them through their asking you through their begging you right because mm-hmm. they they dislike that they don't want to you know uh, go, go go to people and 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 ask for things but it is for you you know and Allah says that that an ignorant man considers them to be aghniya meaning wealthy min uh, of of them of them refraining from asking yeah. right so the question is how do you recognize those people <laughs> yeah it, it's a hard one isn't it yeah, look at definitely. the beauty of islam it says that the upper hand is better than the lower hand right one who gives right yeah. it's it's it it's it's better than the one who's 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 receiving so the emphasis is for an individual to work hard you've got you've got a hadith of the prophet where he is saying to a person that even if you have to go to the you know to to the woods to the jungle cut some trees and then sell that wood in order to you know um provide for your family pro- pro- provide for your family but there's one thing that you said which is which is very interesting which i want to mention about the god will ask you right there's a hadith of the prophet and hadith qud qudsi um it's it's is something that is narrated from Allah the Almighty and this is on the on the uh, in authority of Abu Huraira may Allah be pleased with him who said that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said Allah will say on the day of resurrection O son of Adam I fell ill and you visited me not he will say O lord how should I visit you when you are the lord of the worlds he will say did you not know my servant so and so had fallen ill and you visited him not Did you not not know that had you visited him you would have found me with him oh son of adam i asked you for food and you fed me not he will say oh lord and how should i feed you when you are the lord of the worlds he would say did you not know that my servant so and so asked you for food and you fed him not so you've got you know this hadith cont- continues you've got this example in front of us which was which, which goes in you know which goes in line with the, exactly what you were saying earlier and we're going to you know continue this discussion because it's an important discussion but before that we will be going to our first guest on the line we're speaking to Jean Smith she uh, is is uh, an She's outreach from the tooting community, tooting community kitchen, kitchen outreach work and a volunteer there uh, with a short introduction assalamu alaikum peace and blessings of god be upon you and welcome to the drive time show Hello Jean. Jean can 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 you hear us? Yes, I can. Thank you. Thank you so much for for joining us. Um first of all, we wanted to ask you, can you tell us uh a bit more about the work uh, your charity your organization does and how it is involved in terms of helping childhood hunger? So basically, at Tim Community Kitchen, our goal is to alleviate poverty across West London. So we do this in multiple ways. Um both amongst children and their families and we offer safe space for people to come together so at, at the Ch- at the Scarf Hall and Church Lane uh we have Monday revels where people could come together learn new skills such as knitting crocheting art and crafts and calligraphy and a lot more besides than Wednesdays we offer a two course lunch uh with board games singing dancing um as a way of combating loneliness mm-hmm. um and then we have parties for older people mm-hmm. so that we can encourage good health 
and music therapy as well. And then Fridays we have families and individuals coming along to our food bank. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to this, we also have the outreach outside the Islamic Centre where Mm -hmm. families and individuals can come along and get hot meals and groceries and fresh fruit and veg. Um, That's very nice to hear. Very nice. Right. And so what are some of the biggest challenges that you've, that that have, faced by these communities you know they, that, that are affected and how does your charity actually address those challenges okay so it it varies from financial crisis to mm-hmm. homelessness loneliness um drink and drug dependency mm. so you've also got fuel and food poverty um so basically if someone's in need they can come along and get food. We've got advice first aiders that they can come along and have a safe space. We have rooms that we can go to. Yeah. If they need food or furniture, um, alongside other charities, we can access pretty much what the need is. Um, and then as a need comes up, we'll address that need going forward. We don't just see them once and then abandon them. It's, it's a, an ongoing thing. Right. Interesting, and, yeah. yeah. So, um, h- how do you prioritize the needs of different communities? Like, how do you make sure that the assistance gets to the to those who need it most? Um, I think again, it's it's the fact that we've got a vice first aiders um constantly on site, and then we've got really good access to other local charities, um, where. If we can't address the issue and it's something that needs to be ongoing, we can we can refer to them. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good way of signposting, and we have a big emphasis on confidentiality and treating guests as individuals, um, and not as somebody you need to look down on. We're, we're very much focused on the fact that these are real people with real needs and real humans. And no matter what the issue, we will treat them treat them with confidence and with compassion, and always a smile on our face. Wonderful. And um, what role does uh, public awareness uh, play in your organisation's work to, to 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 actually address the cause of uh, childhood hunger and promote proactive measures? It's massive. I mean, social social media is a massive platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can, as I say, we can access other charities who've got a bigger platform than us. Yeah. So we can use exposure via them. Um, and then as a result of that, we'll get, um, we raise public awareness because we get the donations in by, by way of food donations or monetary donations. And when a monetary donation is made, we ask them which area, whether it's towards the street team, to a feed and on an evening or whether it's for food bank or whether it's for our outreach with the rebels or with the lounge on a Wednesday. So that once, once the awareness is raised, we can then go forward in like bringing out new ventures as well. And then the public have to say how that money is spent, which I think is, is, is very important as well. Right. And, um, are there any long-term strategies that your organisation focuses on 
to help these communities like recover and build resilience against child childhood hunger? Um, at the moment, there's been there has been some like local ventures with the mosques and mm-hmm. um, local charities within Ballon and Tucson. And going forward, we're, we're aiming to bring out uh, a food for those healthy food promotion um, and teach people how to cook on a budget, how to use little amounts of food that they've got to make a meal stretch for a family of four, five, six, seven. Um, so going forward, our aim is to possibly have everything else, bring out a, a community kitchen cookbook. Who knows? <laughs> Interesting. That's, that's that's wonderful. And lastly, you you you, you mentioned mosques and religious communities. Um, what is your experience with with religious communities? Do you think that they're, they're they're very open to giving charity? Uh, how is their how does their contribution actually help? Uh, you know, in 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 the work that you do. Massively, and especially because we we regularly have donations of food for the lounge and for they'll, they'll cook a vegetarian meal for the Wednesday, and we've 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 got another we've got like local activities going on where schools and health health are coming together within the mosque to to bring about lifestyle change. Um, We've got kids' activities being being going on the last few weeks, and it's just been completely free from donations from the from the Islamic Centre, from the local mosques, the local schools. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. And any last comment that you want to give to our listeners that are listening and how they can assist your 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 your, your work, uh, and how can they how can they actually reach out to your charity? Um, we've, we're on so we're on social media. We're on um, Instagram. We're on Facebook. Just look up Tutton Community Kitchen. Feel free to volunteer. Feel free to make donations. Um, yeah, just, just feel free to come along and, and see what Thank we you. do, and if we can help in any way, we will. Thank you so much, Jean. It was, it was wonderful speaking to you. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye now. Thank you. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call if you want to add to the conversation that we're having today. Uh, it's wonderful work, uh, isn't it, Fahim? That all of these different charities and people, uh, you know, take the time out to volunteer, uh, and 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 it has a huge reward in you know in the sight of God. When if you're speaking from a from a religious perspective, you know, especially as 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 most Muslims here. Taking care of those, you know, ar- you know, around us. This is exactly what we were speaking about, isn't it? Before yeah. actually going to our first guest. No, definitely. And um, so, uh, I have a challenge to anybody who's listening that um, if they don't do charity work very often, um, that to just try it. To you know, the feeling you get when you help someone, I think, is unparalleled. And I think that's why so many people dedicate their lives to it. I think so many people care and you know volunteer at these organizations some and a lot of people just build these organizations you know out of the genuine kindness of their heart so i think if if you do it you will realize how beneficial it is to you um you know it's not just about uh you know it being something that pleases god i think you should genuinely try it and you'll see the benefit and you'll feel the benefit. And I think you can only describe it to a certain degree. 
I think until you experience it yourself, you won't really understand its true value. Absolutely, no doubt. Um, so you know, Fahim, from your personal experience, you know, you men- mentioned about experience, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what What could you tell us? I mean, some of the work that you may have been involved in, or that you did in your local community, that have really, you know, sort of um, given you the uplift or made you feel bad better. Because the world, the, the world that we're living in, right? Everything we want is is I, I, I. It's for it's, it's yeah. for your own self, right? So when you do something that's selfless, um, you know. What could, what would you say on that from from experience perspective? Of sure. course, we're speaking from the Islamic perspective, but yeah. Um, so I've got two things that came to mind. So um, on a more local level, just um, uh, our local community often gets together to um, uh, and you know the whole local community gets involved. So um, people cook. Um, people package and then people distribute and we go and distribute this food to people who um, are homeless to um, people who are unable and who need that help and who are living mm-hmm. living rough in yes. the streets of London yeah yeah and um, the other example so the feeling <coughs> I got with that I think that it would just made me value what I had a lot more that yeah. you know just the simple fact that I have a warm bed to go to, yeah. that I have a shelter, you know, you see what the re- the weather's like in this country, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. it's always changing. You can prepare all day for it. You can be like, you know what, it's going to be a sunny day, so we'll <laughs> wear a t-shirt and it's raining by the time yeah. you, you're at your destination. So, um, yeah. I think that made me feel like that. And then, uh, the other experience I'd say where it really hit me was uh, when I went out to Sierra Leone to um, help with a charity called Humanity First. Um, I I worked on this classroom transformation project and it was just post uh, the Ebola outbreak and, you know, seeing these children who were so desperate for education and how they, like, you know, it just made me realise that I'm so lucky and um, I should be more grateful for what I have. Like, you know, I could just complain, oh... I didn't like that food or whatever, but at least I have food, yeah. right? Like, and I think that that's something that these things really make. It's not just about making me feel good. Oh, yeah, I did something great, yes, right? Yes, if, yes. It's about the gratitude that I feel afterwards, yeah. where I'm like, you know what, I do have a lot, and sometimes mm. you can get so stuck in your world, being like, oh, I want what this person has, or I, I want to also have a nice car, or I want to do this and that. Yeah. You know, it stops, makes you take a break from that and you know this so-called rat race there is out there to, to make sure that you're not stuck in it and that you just appreciate what you have wonderful wonderful points uh, there um i mean we we were speaking about um b- before actually going to our first guest about the islamic take and we were seeing so much emphasis on places on on charity and you know feeding the poor especially you know zakat itself you know one, one of the five pillars of islam right um and and it's it's not something that's uh, you know voluntary, but it's ob- ob- obligatory, right? Mm. You have to give zakat, right? Yeah. And the two point five percent that that's of course if 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 you come under the you know a certain bra- bracket, you know. Um, so for all financially cap- capable Muslims, it is something that is a you know it, it is a must that they, they you know they must give zakat, and it is a form of almsgiving and wealth redistribution uh, aimed at helping the poor and needy 
And the Quran says in chapter 9, verse 103, Take, O Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, from their wealth a charity by which you purify them and cause them, cause them increase and invoke Allah's blessings upon them. Indeed, your invocations are reassurance for them. And then you have, so apart from zakat, there is sadaqa, right? There's mm-hmm. other forms of charity that people, uh, you know, give out, out of their own will, right? Um and uh, you know you find in in the Holy Quran where 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 it says the righteous are those who those who feed the needy and the orphan uh, and the captive for the for the love of God, saying, yeah. "We feed you for the sake of God alone." And that's the, that's the emphasis here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we seek neither recompense nor thanks from you. Yeah. Right. So there's, I mean, in the world that in the world of social media and the thing you know the world that we're living in, we always want to post. You know, stuff, good stuff that we're doing, you know, around mm. the world and all these things. The purpose here is that you're doing this for the sake of God. You don't want anything in return, and yeah. and, and I think that is you're something not trying to get likes or exactly, like, and that yeah. that's that is exactly that is something that would give you, you know, the 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 understanding of gratitude, mm. and, and 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 this selfless giving, you know, um, and of course there's 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 much more with regards to what the Prophet said as well. He said once that the best of you are those who feed others. This is from Sahih al Bukhari. Um, and so, you know, moving forward, um, the uh, you know the prophet peace be upon him also mentioned that the believer's shade on the day of resurrection would be his charity, hmm. right? So there's so there's so many sayings and you know so many traditions and Quranic cor- 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 verses that we can present to emphasize. And I think that is that is the reason that is the uh, re- that's the reason why Muslims around the world, you know. Um, give so much charity and 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 they have this at the forefront. Uh, with that, we'll be going to our second esteemed guest. We're going to Mrs. Chantel, um, who runs uh, a Chantel Kitchen Community. Who runs Chantel Kitchen Community? Uh, I'm not sure where. We will, uh, we will ask her that. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of God be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Good afternoon, and thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for jo- joining us today. Uh, just before we get into the questions, we 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 want to know where you run this uh, uh, kitchen for for the community. Yes, so it's called Chantel's Community Kitchen. Yep. And um, we can be found at number four Portswood Place, which is in SW fifteen four ED. It's in Roehampton. Wonderful. Thank you so much uh, for that. Uh, so moving on to the questions now, how can we actually you know, create effective strategies to reduce world hunger and ensure you know, access to nutritious food for everyone? I think one of the things we need to do is to start listening to the needs of those who are suffering and finding out how it's happened, why it's happened, and finding ways to tackle this. I think the people making the decisions aren't the ones who are actually suffering and going through the hardships. And I think the mm. people who are going through it need to be included in the conversation to help find ways to tackle it because they are the ones who have experienced it. So they know how they got into that situation, why they're in that situation, the sufferings that they've faced, the dilemmas they've been through, and what things can be done to ease that so that it doesn't lead to them being in that position where they're going through hunger. Right. And yeah, this, this is the thing. So what, what is one way to, to solve child hunger then? I think to solve, there's a few ways, but what I think we, they could do is they could ensure that school children, they get food packets to send home, to go home with. So even right. though in school they may get free meals, you know, it's just recently been made um, compulsory for all primary school children to get 
free school meals. Yeah. But when they go home, they may not have meals. So if they could make it, you know, a policy to give children food packs to bring home with them, that's ensuring they have meals at home as well. Each child who's registered, every child has to be registered at birth. So there's a database of, yeah. you know, the children and their ages. So there's easy ways to be able to access them. Um, and it should be an entitlement for them to have. And I also believe that it starts with from pregnancy as well. I believe that they should definitely make sure from when women are pregnant that they are receiving nutritious food and it continues into that child's life as they, you know, go through school and so on. Definitely. And um, so you mentioned uh, just that, you, that there's a few reasons. Um, and, and I know you stopped at one. Is there, is there another one that you have in mind? Um, well, they... they um, I said the food packets for the children and also for the pregnant women as yeah. well. I believe that need to start from the very early well, stage of development. Yeah. In, yes, because if the mothers are not getting the nutritious food, that's already yeah. in the de- early stage of development in their mom- mother's womb. They're not getting all the nutrition, so they're already getting a bit of a, a less of a, a boost, you yeah. know, in those early stages. Definitely. So we can't control that just yet but we can control our own actions so what would your advice be that an individual can do to contribute towards uh, ending world hunger i think we as individuals there's many things that we can do and i think we should start by living neighborly with each other we should live neighborly and we should grow and share and stop the greed i think everyone can some not everyone but sometimes people can be focused on trying to get as much as they can in life for themselves But if we focus on sharing and being a community and helping each other out, it will go a long way. You know, before people used to live like that, they used to live on the land, they used to grow and they used to share within their community. So everybody would be okay. We need to start looking at those kind of strategies and applying it in, in this day and age because actually that way people, less people were suffering because it was ensuring that the whole community was fed. And I also believe that there's so many companies um, benefiting um, in this country who could definitely put a percentage of their profits aside to be given to food charities and put that, that, the profits back into feeding the local community's nutritious food. If each company said, OK, for each branch that we have in each area, we'll make sure that that branch give a certain percentage back into the local community to feed them it will go a long way yeah that's really that's really good idea and yeah i hear what you're saying because you know especially in london i think most people don't know their neighbors either do they so we need to bring that community feel back and and start sharing a lot more um you know maybe some advices to to give your neighbors um like you know if you cook food give some to your neighbors you know they might need it um absolutely and so what do you think can be done to to reduce food wasting? Because uh, I think that it happens a lot. I see uh, there's been times where I've seen people take one bite of a sandwich and just throw it away. Mm-hmm. It's a real shame, the food waste, um, because knowing that there's so many people suffering and going through hunger, to know that the food waste is so high is really unbelievable. And I do believe that the governments and local authorities need to create some kind of, some sort of policy for food waste so the supermarkets restaurants businesses in the areas where they're you know um they've got excess instead of throwing it out um or you know disposing of it in any way they should give it back to their local community give it to the food charities give it to the community groups distribute it amongst your local community 
because it's each, you know, for, let's just take, you know, as the Sainsbury's, but, you know, they're in so many locations that for the waste that they have, if they gave that into their community, it would help. So I think it should be a policy that there should be zero waste from the supermarkets, from the restaurants, and anything that they don't use, they should give back into the community. Right. And um, I wanted to ask you, so what is the the actual impact of hunger on children? Like, how does it impact children and their development? It severely impacts children's development, actually. It, it affects development in all parts of their bodies, from their brains, um, it can, you know, weaken their development completely. There'll be malnutrition, lack of focus in school because children who don't start the day off with a meal and then are expected to go to school, they can't focus. They can't soak in the knowledge that is being given to them because they're hungry. Their brains can't develop properly to intake that knowledge. They, it affects them socially. They're weak. They can't do as much. Their bones aren't as strong and these are the early stages of development where it's crucial for the body to get the right nutrition to be able to develop properly. Right, and um, so I wanted to ask uh, just your motivations for uh, starting Chantel's Kitchen Community and you know uh, any message you have for our listeners. Uh, my motivation was because, as we were talking about earlier, the amount of food waste and the amount of um, suffering um, that people are going through at the moment. I just feel that, as I said, um, live neighbourly. If you do a little to help, they can go a long way. And that's what my aim is, to do something to help the community. The aim of the community kitchen is to tackle food poverty in the community during these financial difficult, financially difficult times and aid in the cutting down of food waste. The aim is to provide homemade nutritious meals to the community is aimed at the whole community, as many people are struggling during these times, regardless of their age or employment. It will help to tackle the food waste and create fresh, healthy meals to um, impact the quality of life and promote healthy eating, encourage people to also, you know, create healthy meals at home. And it's a non-profit voluntary um, um, community kitchen. You know, the meals are free to the community and um, it's just to help tackle as i said that the food waste you know teaming up with the supermarkets to try and mm-hmm. get the produce that they you know the excess that they have and then putting it back into the community by cooking meals for them because some people do struggle with the actual cooking of the meals they may not have the confidence to cook the meals so they will have the meals cooked for them and given to them and they can put some meals in their fridge in their freezer mm-hmm. so they have a few days supply mm-hmm. of food Interesting. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking to you, Chantel, and we hope you all the best going forward. Take care. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Have a lovely afternoon. Thank all you. the best. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 0208687878 is the number to call. Uh, we are going to play a small audio clip for you. Um, Huzu's address to dignitaries in Singapore that was in 2013 where, where His His Holiness laid out the reasons why even developed nations are suffering with poverty. In today's world, it is not only in the less developed world that people are struggling, but even in the developed world, people have suffered as a result of the financial crisis that has arisen over the past few years. This is because countries have not used their vast means and resources 
in the right way instead of utilizing their wealth for essential necessities to benefit all people much has been fitted away on unnecessary luxuries and extravagances we see the result of this in europe where some countries who were not as rich as some of their european counterparts tried to imitate their wealthier neighbors rather than tread conservatively they went beyond their means to try and fulfill such unrealistic ambitions and are now suffering the consequences whilst the other members of the european union have sought to help them to certain extent even they are now starting to question and consider that for how long they should continue to help the weaker nations we find that the root causes for the problems and the growing friction emanates from both sides on the one hand those requesting help <clears throat> have made unreasonable demands whilst on the other side the wealthier nations have not been willing to make necessary sacrifices for the greater good both of these factors have led to a marked deterioration in current situation islam however counsels that the best state of affairs which are of peace and harmony can only be established when both sides work together for the greater good the poor must fulfill their own responsibilities and work hard in order to benefit from their resources and wealth on the other hand the rich should happily display a true spirit of sacrifice in order to help their brothers and sisters they should understand that their wealth and resources have all been bestowed by allah and so they must be utilized to fulfill the rights of his creation so this was his holiness uh, speaking to dignitaries in 2013 during his tour of singapore um so many valid points you know uh, made there with regards to you know taking care of the society that you actually you know li- li- live in um moving forward i wanted to uh, you know speak about how practically we can have you know measures in place practical approach to combating child hunger what do you, what comes to your mind um uh, some of the things that we can do that can practically help cuz of course you know things like mr Shant- uh, mrs chantel jean smith yeah uh, pr- doing stuff in the local communities and if everybody starts doing that then you'll see like a movement yeah. going forward but do you think that can practically solve all hunger so uh, you remind me of what happened with you know masquerade where he um, yeah, yeah, yeah. said about uh, he replied to a tweet from the world food program that um mm-hmm. you know tell me how 6 billion dollars is going to solve world hunger and then I'll sell tesla stock mm-hmm. um right now and do it and and we'll know how that planned out but um i think that ultimately is about every individual making their contribution and that's why people like uh jean mm-hmm. and chantel uh, the the organizations that they either build or, or work for yeah. um 
how they help because it's about us helping each other, us helping our community. And you mentioned it earlier about Islam saying that it's the often what people do is they they hoard their money, they hoard their resources because yes. they are selfish. Yeah. And Islam teaches you not to be selfish and to give. And I think that ultimately, if we instead of trying to hoard everything and yeah. trying to have amass as much money or as much mm-hmm. uh, things of the things that we like, uh, yeah. trying to to the point of excess, to the point where it probably go to waste, right? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, there's piece, there, there's works of art out there that are like paid millions and millions for by rich people, and they're kept like in a room so that they can say that they own it and you know, whereas it could be on display somewhere so that the whole world could appreciate it. And I think yeah. that ultimately if we all had that mentality of, hey, it's not just about um, hoarding things and trying to acquire as much as possible, there is more to life. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably like my opinion of, of how we can solve this issue. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many articles, if you, you, know, if you see online, how many billion tons of, you know, uh, food waste. You know, you know that 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 is wasted. Mm. You know, uh, every single year. You know, around the world, and if you know proper measures are placed, are in place. You know, by the governments, then then that that food can can reach where you know it is needed. Yeah. You know, the most. Um, but yeah, we were speaking about practical approach. Uh, you know, few things that 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 that, that I wanted to t- touch upon. Mm. First of all, is education and awareness. It's something that we're doing yeah. here. We're doing a program about it. We're speaking about it. We're raising awareness about child hunger uh, as it is, you know, vital to garner public support and empathy. And governments and, and NGOs and local communities can organize workshops, seminars, and public campaigns to shed light on the severity of the issue and its long-term impacts on society. So well, education just, just is important. Just a really quick stat before you carry on: is a yeah. child dies every ten seconds from malnutrition. So by the time I finish that sentence, you know, yeah. It's I know this it's very cliche or like you you hear it a lot, but it's actually true when you stop to think about it for a second mm-hmm. uh, how that's impacting and that's a life just because yeah. you didn't know them doesn't mean it's it's not a bad thing to happen. absolutely yeah, and the second aspect is 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 of access to nutritious food you know we 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 also spoke about that earlier I mean providing children with access to nutritious food is fundamental in combating hunger, governments and charitable organizations can work together to establish school meal programs. And there, there was an issue here, right, in the UK with regards to yeah. s- school meals where um, I think Marcus Rashford Marcus got involved Rashford, and, yeah. and, and, and did, did a lot and he, he and he was praised for. So I think that's what real influence is. If you want to be an influencer, then this yeah. is the example that you have, yeah. you know, to, to bring Use about your platform for something good. Exactly. Um, and... Uh, Moving forward, we we have let's say you, you know you need to have support for vulnerable families. Addressing the underlying factors that contribute to child hunger is crucial. Governments should uh, implement social welfare programs aimed at supporting vulnerable families with financial assistance, affording uh, you know affordable housing and access to healthcare. Um, these measures will uh, you know in a, in a way alleviate the burden on struggling parents, ensuring they can provide adequately for their children. Then then you have agriculture and farming initiatives now promoting sustainable. Agricultural practices can can also bolter, uh, bolster food security uh, at the community level. Now, governments can invest in agricultural development and provide resources uh, and, 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 and training to small-scale farmers, empowering them to produce nutritious crops. 
uh, empowering local communities, as we were just speaking to Jean Smith and Mrs. Chantel, who are who are doing wonderful work, um, you know, running local uh, charitable uh, you know organizations such as their you know their their, their local community kitchens, yeah. uh, where where volunteers come and help, um, and global collaboration. Uh, where child hunger is is of course is a global issue and international cooperation is essential to address it uh, nations should collaborate to share best practices resources and expertise in tackling child hunger uh, you know initiatives like the united nations sustainable sustainable development goals sdgs can serve as a framework for you know aligning efforts on a global scale so these are some of the thing uh, things that 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 could be done in order to you know work towards alleviating uh, or combating uh, child hunger around the world. Yeah, so um, you mentioned about the education part, right? And yeah. I think it's important to say that the problem of education and poverty isn't just a simple matter of like inadequate educational systems, right? Yeah. Um, the lack of resources and support in these communities means that children actually fail to attend school, then fall behind and eventually drop out. And, you know, education is essential for children to acquire the tools they need to create lasting change in their lives and break that cycle of poverty for themselves and for their family. So I think that it's not just about a failing institution uh, of education um, that is the problem. And, you know, uh, just some statistics, um, uh, roughly 40% of male youths, so that's ages 15 to 24, currently work in the global labor force, while just 27% of young women are employed. And according to the latest data, the total number of unemployed youths is 73 million, a slight recovery recovery from the dip that occurred during the pandemic. Um, and yeah, more than one in five young people are not employed in school or training for work in, in the formal job sector. And although the gender gap in global primary and secondary school enrollment rates has almost entirely closed, 90% for males and 89% for females, mm-hmm. secondary school completion rates <clears throat> are 8% lower for girls than boys. So, you know, it's it's not an easy feat to solve this issue and it's going to take everyone's yeah. contribution absolutely i mean there's a verse that comes to my mind from surah taha right chapter 20 verse 119 to 120 where allah the Almighty says that it, it's basically the declaration of four basics basic amenities uh you know for us as human beings it, it, it is provided for thee that thou will not hunger therein nor will thou be naked and and, and that thou will not therein uh thirst therein nor will thou be exposed to the sun okay now in the in in the commentary of this, Hazrat uh, Mirza Tahir Hamad, uh, in his book Islam's Response to Contemporary Issues, he he says Islam establishes minimum rights in form of four point charter by defining the basic needs which a state should procure: food, clothing, water, and shelter. Right? Governments have both national and international responsibilities, and these responsibilities on the national level are to fulfill the basic needs of each other of so- or each member of society sorry by ensuring that all are fed a- a- adequately clothed and provided with water and shelter um, and he continues he says the international duty is to fully participate um, in pooling resources to meet the challenges of wild scale natural disaster or man-made calamities and to help such countries as are by themselves incapable of appropriately handling the crisis so you know this is something that's that's base. It's it's a basic need, right? Um, the, these 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 four things that we mentioned. Yeah. Um, you know, food, clothing, water, and shelter. Yeah. 
and and in this context it is therefore you know the responsibility of the governments you know to put in place social security infrastructures and and systems by which you know it it, it would you know facilitate food accessibility particularly for uh, you know the poverty stricken citizens around the world definitely and um, i think that yeah ultimately we need to just do our part and yeah i think that uh, that's where the serving humanity aspect of it comes into it as well right mm-hmm. and um you know the 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 Quran mentions um in surah Zah- um that uh, chapter 76 verse 9 to 12 that and they feed for the love of him the poor the orphan and the prisoner saying we feed you for allah's pleasure only yeah. we desire no reward nor thanks from you verily we fear from our lord a frowning and distressful day so Allah will save them from the evil of that day and will grant them cheer- cheerfulness and happiness. It's wonderful, isn't it? I yeah. mean, the, the 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 beauty of Islamic teaching is, and I, this sounds something that came to my mind is is, is it's not just in terms of uh, encouragement or reward, right? These people, their reward is their Lord, their God, right? right? They want their reward from God. This is their intention, but also, you know, um, Islam prescribes a feeding of the poor as a means of expiation. So, for 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 instance. Uh, you know the penalty of breaking an oath is feeding of ten poor persons with 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 such average food as they feed their families. It's from Surah Al, Al you know Al, Al Maida. Okay. Similarly, a Muslim who is guilty of intentionally killing game in a state uh, in a state of pilgrimage faces the penalty of feeding a number of poor persons as an expiation, yeah. right? And then m- more so, while observing the fast of Ramadan is compulsory, uh, it is prescribed upon those who have no capacity to fast to feed the poor for the thirty days. Of fast, so w- what do we understand from this? That there's one element in Islam of reward, mm. right, where you're encouraged to do certain things and you're rewarded for it. Yeah. But also in terms of expiation as well, it puts in such practices in place yeah. which which helps mankind, you know, at the at the end. So so in both ways, this uh, you know this, this uh, you know um, it, you know helps alleviate the challenge of hunger and uh, you know of, of of the downtrodden in 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 the society of ours. Definitely. Um, Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Do call us, get involved in this show or the next one, uh, or you can tweet us at uh, Voice of Islam UK, or you can DM us on Instagram. Interesting. So we we are coming to the to to the end of the program. Um, you know, we have mentioned to you, you know, statistics. We you know we always do. We mentioned to you the 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 the, the Islamic aspects and you know what pe- and also spe- we speak to people who are actively involved in doing the work right yeah. um, and this should those that are listening in and us who are doing the program encourage us to get out of our comfort zones and 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 go out and help people yeah right uh, whether it's you know feeding the poor and I know the community within the community you have you know various chapters around the country yeah um, you know they go around one, one, once a week or so to to feed the homeless or you know various other activities that they hold so I mean this program is is it's not just an an awareness but it should come also as an encouragement yeah. you know for people that are li- listening in yeah remember you asked me uh, for a personal example have you got any before we end this part of the show personal example with regards to just um, how you've uh, seen that the serving humanity has impacted you yeah it's um, I, I remember one incident this was in this was when this was back in Tooting I was, I was very very young mm. I was quite young and and I came across a person, and that has never left me. I came across a person, and and he, uh, you know he, 
he opened his bag, right? He said, I don't have nothing to eat or something like that, whatever the case was. And um, I was I was probably, I said, 12, 13. Yeah. And uh, I think I had like two four, or four pounds or something like that at the time of vodka. So I said, let's, let's just go to the chicken shop close by. And, and I, I said, whatever you want to buy, you know, buy and sit down and have a meal. And I remember coming home, right? And uh, just breaking down in front of my dad, literally break like crying. Like, like, like a child and my dad said what's happened and I was like I explained to him what yeah. you know what, what had occurred yeah and uh and my dad said did you did you help and I said yeah, yes I did but I said that's not enough you need to find the guy and and, and you need to help and so I took my dad and we we looked for that person everywhere yeah. but we couldn't find him yeah. uh, I mean that thing never really leaves me you know yeah. like because it's, it's good that I was able to help yeah. but it's just that even in this country around us yeah. there are people that are in need of help, right? And um, and you know, at the end of the day, this is what this is what matters. This is what counts, yeah. you know. And this is this is the reason. This is one of the reasons for for our creation. Why 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 we're here? And one one of the aspects that that I want to mention is is that there are various levels of goodness in in Islam. Of course, we're com- we're com- coming to an end, but the best of the best is mentioned in one of the words. Allah the Almighty that that you would only attain true righteousness when you spend out of that which you love. Yes. Right? This is the true sacrifice. But yeah, we're coming to the end of the program. Thank you so much for, you know, all the listeners and all all of those who are involved. We'll be back uh a short break after a short break. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Welcome back to the second hour of Drive Time Show here at Voice of Islam. In this hour, we will be discussing Jalsa Salana, tracing the historical significance of religious gatherings. So Jalsa Salana is, is, is just a week away. Yep. Fahim, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm excited. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the hour that um, this one is the first international uh, Jalsa after about five years because of the pandemic. And, you know, um, so we're expecting a lot more people. Yeah, there's gonna be a good buzz, and you know, it's it's wonderful, isn't yeah. it? You see, you meet people that 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 are coming all around the world. And, you know, you've got guests here that yeah. you see at Namaz, and you know, there's so much happening, and the atmosphere, you know, it's just yeah. You get that feeling of like you walk around this place, and mm-hmm. you just like know everyone. Yeah, and it's like you won't know everyone, mm-hmm. right? But they there's just these familiar faces that you see. And like, even if you've never interacted with each other, but you've come to Jalsa every single yeah. year, you know that person. And I think that that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to um, some uh, spiritual mm-hmm. re-enlightenment, re-enlight- uh, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just to get back into... Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great way to just take your... Uh, mind out of you know the day to day grind and yeah. um, you know doing something and being absolutely. around people who share the same values. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I mean, speaking of you know religious gatherings, which is you know just, just a salana is yeah. a religious gathering, uh, you know that and, and also pilgrimage as well. You know these things hold a split, uh, you know special place in the hearts of uh, believers. You know in in different faiths, uh, serving as you know important events that 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 foster co- communal. Bonds, deepen spiritual connections, and 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 celebrate shared faith. Yeah. Um, now, across you know diverse religious traditions, these gatherings, you know, assume unique forms and play distinct roles, uh, serving as 
pivotal occasions for worship, you know, learning, fellowship, and profound spiritual experiences. Now, religious gatherings, you know, hold immense significance in in various religions. You know, in Christianity, believers come together for, let's say, Sun Sunday worship services and embark on pilgrimages to sites like the Holy Land, mm. uh, fostering spiritual growth and and and, and deepening their you know connection to Jesus, peace be upon him. And Islam sees millions of people, you know, Muslims, you know, undertaking the pilgrimage uh, to Hajj, which yeah. we which recently took took place in the month of June, I guess, last la- last month it was. Yeah. Um, you know, a transformative journey of of, of self discovery and, and and unity. Hindus also engage in a religious gathering and embark on pilgrimage to sacred sites, as well as Buddhists too. You know, uh, participate in communal practices and undertake pilgrimage. Uh, you know, to to different diff- to different sites, right? Yeah. Um, so the point is that e- in each of these religions, you know, whether Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, or Buddhism, we find a common thread. You know, a deep-seated yeah. need for believers to gather, you know, seeking connection to their histories, you know, spiritual truth, and also, you know, a profound sense of belonging. Yeah. So in in today's you know program, we want to explore you know the significance, uh, and and also the historical importance of. Just as Salana, the annual convention or held by the Hamdiya Muslim community. Um, right. So, so Just as Salana, if, 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 if you can briefly explain to us. So what I, it was, is. I was going to actually ask you because I was going to say that, you know, yeah. some of our listeners might be sitting there thinking, yeah. you know, is this some, like, do do all of these people go sit on a beach somewhere and, like, you know, <laughs> just relax for the weekend? But yeah. what, what what is Just as Salana and, like, yeah, I mean it's 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 Jaslana is 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 the largest uh, you know Islamic convention held in the United Kingdom each year for the purpose of uniting and inspiring people uh, you know of all faiths. Right. You know it focuses on topics of peace, benevolence, and 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 religious harmony. Uh, 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 this convention you know provides a tranquil space for reflection and exploration of Islamic principles. Uh, you know, participants can gain uh, insight from thought-provoking religious uh, discourses and engage in, you know, prayers alongside thousands of others who've come, you know, all around yeah. the world. Um, and so, regardless of your faith or background, join us, you know, in this in this uh, embracing the spiritual enrichment and 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 peace offered by uh, this this movement. Now, this is, of course, as I was mentioning, it is it is a you, f- three, you forgot three one day. really important thing. What was it? This great food. Oh yes. <laughs> Wonderful food, exactly, and and uh, and and the team that that does the work yeah. is is fa- fascinating. Yeah. You know, uh, how they do it, because it's twenty four seven. I mean, it's twenty four hours. The, mm. the 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 kitchen that's there that that's running, and, and and three meals a day for about thirty eight thousand to forty thousand yeah. people. Um, you know, this is something that that that's Done by that's that's amazing. Volunteers. Yes, absolutely, and 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 one of the m- special features of of this conference is that it is blessed by the presence of His Holiness as a Ahmad, the current worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, who addresses the conference on each of the three days, providing invaluable insights into the application of religious teachings to our spiritual, moral, and material well-being. Um, we are uh, um, joined by an esteemed guest in 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 our studio. Usually, we we. You know, we uh, we have to call people and, and and request them to join us. But Jazakallah, yeah. uh, thank you so much, brother Akil Kang, uh, who is a missionary of the Hamdi Muslim community, a great friend of ours as well, um, who has kindly joined us uh, because we know everybody is busy during this Jalzasa period, doing the 
their duties and stuff uh, i requested him y- y- yesterday which yes. was a short notice when and he's graciously accepted it yeah. first of all assalamu alaikum brother uh, yeah. thank you so much for join, join, joining us today walaikum assalam warahmatullahi good to join you takla thank you so we're speaking of jazza salana of course it's an important uh, event for the for the ahmadiyya muslim community for those ca- coming all around the world um for the first question we wanted to ask you was what is the significance and and also the importance of jalsa uh in the ahmadiyya muslim community um <coughs> obviously it's um it has has its religious uh significance mm-hmm. but apart from that um if you just purely look at uh, human nature uh they say humans are social creatures um and islam specifically is a is a religion which is geared towards um addressing the issues of that are inherent in the human nature mm-hmm. um and um so uh, it lays a lot of emphasis on community coming together um on a daily level you congregate in your local mosque mm-hmm. uh on to uh, twice to uh, once a week you congregate in your uh city's mosque for the friday prayers mm-hmm. yeah um then if you you know c- continue uh, like this you g- congregate once for uh, twice a year for eid gathering then yeah. yes. there's the hajj for those who are for able to perform it so um purely uh, on on this uh, based on this ra- this rationale and um uh, you see the significance of jalsa salana of coming together um and as the times have changed um you know so does the significance uh, of the salana has also um you know in, in in a way increased uh, more than more than now that uh, when it was uh, uh, initiated by the promise of salah salam himself as inspired by god almighty and he gave he gave reasons for this um that in this age that we live in uh it is important that we tackle the issues of this age uh in a uh, by coming together as a community discussing certain matters um and mm. address those issues so this was introduced by the promise of sallallahu alaihi wasallam to address the challenges of the modern era that we face mm-hmm. um and so this is the role of the jalsa salana it addresses uh issues of the modern era mm-hmm. and it addresses in a way that we that uh, fosters a f- spirit of community on an and no no on a global level you know yeah. through yeah. through the media that we have now uh voice of islam you got um social media al uh, islam mta yeah. uh and so also external channels external, external channels yeah. so this 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 becomes a, a global phenomenon for at least for the amdi muslim community right and so how does it does islam like distinguish itself from other g- gatherings that are held worldwide you know people just be might be imagining something where they're just like oh you know it's just a convention but how what's that distinction that you have with Jalsa yeah, Salana I, I think for me one thing that distinguishes Jalsa Salana is the presence of Hazrat uh, Khalifa al-Masih mm-hmm. um and this is something that um and his guidance uh his prayers praying behind him um and his guidance that we directly sit uh, in his company and receive is something that we cannot replicate we cannot receive anywhere else yes there are amadis i've met amadis who live um in faraway countries yeah mm-hmm. uh, and it is only through allah's blessing that even they are able to listen to this or hear hear, hear his voice and mm-hmm. and message um it's a message of uh, reasoning and 
the world has recognized this yes. you know this is a voice mm-hmm. uh, amidst the turmoil and conflict that we see this yes. is the voice of reason that we need to listen to this is one of the unique and the, i think one of the most important features of jalsa salana mm-hmm. and other than that uh, it dis- is dis- distinguishes uh, um, you're simply in terms of um, it being a gathering of spirituality where the focus is on uh, you know fostering that 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 taqwa righteousness as mm-hmm. it is uh, referred to in islam uh in every individual um you know uh, progressing in spirituality and yes. this is this is what this is about it it's 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 wonderful the point that you made with regards to you know um you know a voice of hope amidst the turmoil and it's not something that 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 we state because we're we're part of this community but it's something that is acknowledged and accepted by externals that come in and are part of this um you know this experience that we hold every year and it's not just mm. just a salana but whether it's a peace symposium or, or any event you know you you have this feedback from the guests that have come for the first time and and have actually experienced this uh but moving forward uh you know one of the things with regards to one of the speciality of jalsa salana as we're all aware is the arrangements are primarily managed by volunteers within the community yeah. um, could you you know maybe elaborate on the significance of this volunteer effort Yes um and he, I mean uh, some many of our non-muslim guests when they come to Jalsa and they see such a large um organization and a structure and a setup yeah. um and uh, they, they're amazed at how, how this is run and when they're told that all this is run uh, you know vastly um uh, these people that run this uh, organization they're, they're volunteers yeah you know some of them the highly paid uh, professional high profile people who have mm-hmm. uh, you know their businesses mm-hmm. their doctors their policemen their you know um housewives there are all sorts of different yep. um walks of life but they come together voluntarily for the uh, just in order to seek the pleasure of allah almighty yeah and this is something which is also another unique aspect of jalsa salana you don't sure. see uh, organization of such a large event on such a scale where volunteers come together just for the sake of allah almighty uh, and for the love of khilafat that they have um so so, so and other than that um you know uh, the promise of sallallahu alaihi wasallam hazrat mirza ghulam mohammad afqadian alaihi wasallam he has emphasized that anyone who wishes to uh, uh, attain taqwa which mm-hmm. is one of the purposes and goals of of this this gathering uh, he should serve the faith mm. and he said he once said that um when i see someone that he's serving the faith auto- automatically the prayers come out of my heart mm. for for such a person so it is it is uh, you know this this volunteering is mm. uh, is a way of uh, serving god serving faith uh, for for us ahmadis yeah absolutely and as we speak um there are people at the site where i mean jazaslana is 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 a week away but there are people at this moment in time working tire tire tirelessly yeah. at the site you know giving up the time some of them take time off work yeah. you know they you know they they, they spend their holidays coming 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 and help helping out uh you know at the at 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 this time so it's 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 a wonderful site uh, you know uh, when when you go then we've all we all we've all been part of it isn't yeah. it those you know we call evakarium you know uh, when we were in jamia uh, brother akil you 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 would know you know the vans 
would go from Jamia, you know, Fjord, yeah. and we'll, we'll spend an in, in, entire day there. We'll, we'll eat there. Sometimes some people will even sleep there. Yeah. So it's it is a wonderful, you know, selfless ex- experience because in the world that we live in today, everything is sort of, and we were discussing this earlier, yeah. is being done for the self, for for your own self. Mm. And here you're serving others. You know, you're serving the faith. Uh, which is which is great sight, isn't it? Definitely, and I, I just yeah, it's just really fulfilling. And I think that um, yeah, like you said, people take time off work. They you know they people people think that this is a, a three day event, right? But like this is a year long event, yeah. right? Like people the, are working f- from like the planning, the, the, the planning, and all of, these all of things, this. Yes, yes. I think people understand it gets all put up. The whole uh, infrastructure gets put up within a month and brought down in within a month. So Absolutely. imagine that for over forty thousand people, it's mm. not easy. Yes. Whereas, like you know, these festivals that you see, um, like they usually like have those locations and or they have those institutions all year round. It's just about like servicing them. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's that's one key thing here. Mm-hmm. And lastly, we 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 uh, we, we, we you know we also wanted to ask you um, in what ways has you know, Jasa Salana fostered a sense of unity and brotherhood among the attendees, you know, transcending cultural and national boundaries, especially not, you know, with Jasa Salana UK, you have people coming from all over the world. Mm. It's an international jalsa. If you can elaborate that, why is, an, why is it an international jalsa as compared to other, other jalsas that, that take place around the this world? Is, this is something that you can only truly um, know and find out by, you know, actually experiencing jalsa by visiting the event where you mm. see people of um, all sorts of cultures from all to, you know from around the world um, who do not know each other personally yeah. but they meet and greet each other they hug each other uh, and they're talking and laughing um, together mm. as if they're you know old friends <laughs> yeah. and and this happens you know uh, spontaneously you mm-hmm. know you see people at the exhibitions um, while having uh, at the langar having food um, or you know, walking uh, on 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 the paths at Jalsa Salana. So you meet people and you greet them as if you know that they're, they're your brothers. Mm. And this is one of the uh, hallmarks um, hallmarks of Islam. Islam says that believers are like a uh, you know. Um, they're like brothers. Yes. And this that brotherhood that unity is visible everywhere Jalsa Salana. Mm-hmm. Um, so where it, it comes from, I think um, it's Allah Almighty. He puts this in people's heart and the, he connects us through our love of Khilafat. Absolutely. You know, people who have never seen the Khalifa before, mm-hmm. they have th- and they live in far, in remote countries. Mm-hmm. They have the same love of that Khalifa and through that love, they have the love of the Ahmadis, um, the you know the, the followers of the promise of yeah. Islam. Mm-hmm. So it's it's only Allah's blessings, uh, as you know, Allah says in the Holy Quran. Had had it not been for Allah the Almighty, you know, these people would have dispersed. No one can put this this love, this unity, this brotherhood, of a stranger, seemingly stranger. No mm-hmm. one can do that. No one can buy this. Yeah. You know, it's only Allah's blessing that He puts this in people's hearts, uh, and we we see this every day uh, during Jalsa. Absolutely, and 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 Allah the Almighty, you know, it, it reminds me of another verse where where He says, "If you had spent the world, mm-hmm. you would not be able to instill this love in yes. in, in the heart of these people." Yes, it is Allah who instills this love you know, in these people's hearts, and and it's fascinating to see that something that began with only seventy five individuals who gathered for one day in Qadian, a small village, obscure, nobody knew about it. Now these justices are taken all around the world, and I, 
and I would say this confidently that this is one of the signs for the truthfulness of the man who claimed to be the promised Messiah, this Chalsa itself and the Khalifa and the whole at- 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 old atmosphere that we see you know, around uh, Jalsa, isn't it? Neo, you're absolutely right. Um, th- with with regards to the unity that you, yeah. that you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, I think it's also important to understand that it, this does not mean that uh, it's only a gathering of believers. Yes. This Jalsa and as a matter of fact, all of the venues of the MDM Muslim community are open for all peace-loving people yeah. um, or mosques as are, are the um, head of the MDM Muslim community. The Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih has so many, on so many occasions elaborated and emphasized and, and made it very clear mm-hmm. that our places of worship and our venues, they're open for guests uh, of, you know, whether they're believers or non-believers. Even. Yes, yes. We invite them. Uh, our purpose is to educate people. Mm-hmm. Our purpose is to, in, you know, through the speeches of Hazrat Khilfat al-Masih, enlighten them mm-hmm. uh, about the true peaceful <laughs> teachings of Islam. So yes. that unity, in that sense, extends to other people as well, mm-hmm. uh, not only to our own, uh, you know, kith and kin. Absolutely. And lastly, there, we wanted to ask you a question, which, which I think I, I, I missed out earlier. It was with regards to, you know, some may ask whether Chalsa is... Uh, is considered an innovation, right? This is a concept. Bid bidah is a la, 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 uh, is is a word that's used in the Arabic language. Something that that didn't exist at the time of the Prophet, but came about later on. Uh, so, what would you say on this? Uh, if, if someone asks this question, is it an inno- innovation? Something that started after the Prophet? Is it allowed? Is it not allowed? Do you know, it's it, a gentle question. I, I would say, uh, to <coughs> put it mildly, I would say, peep, this is a misunderstanding. Yeah. Um, and uh, partly due to ignorance, okay. uh, not knowing the Islamic, not being grounded in the Islamic theology. Mm-hmm. Um, Islam is a timeless religion. Islam is not for uh, v- uh, a certain time of certain time, certain nation. Period, yeah. So it uh, it has principles. Islam, or the Holy Quran, has given principles. Mm. Otherwise, it would have been. In hundreds of volumes, yes. You know, had it specified every each and every occasion, mm-hmm. it would have been in hundreds of volumes. Islam has given principles. The Holy Quran mm-hmm. ha- and the Holy Prophet ﷺ has shown us his Sunnah, yeah. and he has given some prophecies that in the latter days certain challenges will come, right. and in that at that time, a Messiah will come who will address those challenges according to the needs of that time. Yeah. And they will be grounded in those core principles mentioned in the Holy Quran and the Sunnah and the Hadith of the Holy Prophet Yes. Uh, so when we look at this, we find that um, that the, the the Sunnah of the Holy Prophet the Hadith of the Holy Prophet are replete with uh, such inst- uh, instances where the Holy Prophet once, for example, a yes. tribe came to the Holy Prophet They said, "We are unable to come to you." regularly mm-hmm. so please assign for us a certain certain days mm-hmm. to, um, at which we come to you and we learn the knowledge of the faith yeah and Jalsa Salana is exactly the same yes yes that we uh, you know um, we have um, dedicated certain three days where people come to learn uh, about the faith yes internalize that mm-hmm. and how to act upon it and then go and preach that that faith the Holy Prophet said that um, my love becomes due for those who sit with one another <coughs> for my sake. 
Prophet said, Allah, Allah is, is referring to the Almighty. Yeah. Yes. Allah says, my love becomes due to those uh, who sit in one another's company for my sake and who visit one another for my sake. Mm. Yeah. So this is exactly what's happening in Salana. We come for the sake of Allah, mm-hmm. visit each other for the sake of Allah to seek knowledge of the faith mm-hmm. so that we can act upon it and spread that knowledge mm-hmm. across the world. Um, and we can learn how to address some of the modern challenges that we, we that are faced by um, by modernity um, or due to modernity. Mm-hmm. So um, then there are other hadiths of the Holy Prophet وسلم, uh, where the Holy Prophet وسلم, said that uh, seeking knowledge is a duty upon every Muslim. He said that whoever follows a path in pursuit of knowledge, Allah will make easy for him a path to paradise. Mm-hmm. So there are so many, um, mm-hmm. you know, so people from all over the world, uh, they attend uh, this jalsa and it is grounded in the core principles of the Holy Quran and yes. the Sunnah of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu And of course, as I said, um, the whole, it, is, it was a prophecy of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu mm-hmm. that, um, you know, in, in the latter days when new modern challenges arrive, that promised Messiah, the latter day Messiah, yes. will address them according to the needs of that age. Yes. And this is one such need um, that we come together, we address those issues, we discuss those issues, and how to tackle them. Um, uh, and it, it's it's firmly grounded in, in the core principles of Islam. Absolutely. Jazakallah so it is not, as I said, it, it is not yes. an innovation. Yes, yes. Otherwise, every single... Um, Using a mobile phone would be an innovation. Mm. Using a laptop would be innovation. Mm. You, you, you know, using a car would be an innovation. Mm. If that, that uh, if a, the yeah. uh, definition of innovation was was uh, ec- extended yeah. to, to to everything. That's a good point. Yeah. It's the yeah. use of 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 um, such things, isn't it? Um, yes. Uh, and 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 what is the purpose of of coming coming to, 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 to yes. together? Jazakallah. Thank you so much, uh, brother Akil Kang. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for giving us your time um, uh, and hopefully in the future we'll also in- invite you. Thank you exactly. once again. Assalamualaikum. Alaikum. So uh, we'll be sh- shortly back after a small break. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the gracious the merciful welcome back to the Drive Time Show here at Voice of Islam. We're discussing uh, the importance of Jalsa Salana tracing its histo- uh, historical significance. Uh, we were just speaking to Brother Akil Kang, a missionary of the Hamdi Muslim community, who eloquently mentioned the the purposes and the reasons, uh, you know, for gathering uh, and 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 coming together uh, at this at, at at this beautiful occasion. Uh, before we move on to our next guest, we briefly want to discuss uh, the history of the Jalsa Salana itself. Right yeah. uh, now, the Jalsa of the Hamdi Muslim community was initiated, as we know, by the founder of the Hamdi Muslim community, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, mm. in 1891. And what we know as the first Jalsa Salana of 1891 was, in fact a gathering for a specific purpose. Yeah. Uh, 
Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him invited members of his community to to uh, come to Gadian for a consultation on a religious matter, mm. and that was to invite those opponents who had either published edicts of disbelief against him or had supported it to to a method of identifying the truth, and and because there was various edicts, you know, fatwas, um, uh, you know, against the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him of this dis- disbelief at that time, so. And those fatwas were, were were based on this his assertion that uh, Jesus peace be upon him had passed away naturally, and that the second advent of uh, Masih ibn Maryam, which is G- G- Jesus alayhi salam, had been fulfilled through the advent of himself. As the ulama had refused to engage in a debate on this matter, the Prophet extended an invitation through his book. Um, he 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 proposed a spiritual contest wherein Allah him, himself would determine whether someone is a true Muslim based on four criteria outlined in the Quran. And uh, the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, you know, put forward this 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 challenge. And also, he travelled to Delhi for this specific purpose, uh, you know, with his companions in October 1891, as well to to take part in a debate on this specific issue uh, with those who had, you know, uh, initiated this edict against the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him. So, the first jalsa, what we know, is a gathering of 75 attendees, mm. you know, who came to Gadian uh, for a day. Um, and uh, the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, uh, you know, and made, made an announcement thereafter that going forward every year, and a, a, a you know a gathering will take place in a month of December in Qadian, where, you know, uh, you know all he said all sincere souls who have entered the fold of this humble one should know that the purpose of pledging allegiance is to dampen the world worldly ardor, so that the heart is engulfed in the love of the bountiful God and of the Holy Prophet, and to develop such a state of detachment that the final journey does not seem an unwelcome prospect. But in order to achieve this, it is necessary to stay in the company and to spend a portion of one's life's life in the cause, so that if God Almighty so wills, through witnessing some de- definite signs, weakness, infirmity, and tardiness may be overcome, and perfect faith may be born, resulting in fervor and passionate ardor. One should always strive to achieve this goal and pray that God may grant this opportunity until this happen, happens. It is essential to meet me now and then. So this is one of the purposes uh, why the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, you know, established this, this institution of Jalsal Salana, in inviting, in, in, in inviting members together at Qadi. And this was just a brief history. There's so much more that, that we can mention but now we have in our studio a special guest. We have uh, Nasir Din Saif, who's serving as Naib Amir. Naib Amir would be the vice president vice president of the Amdi Muslim community. That that is not all. He's also part of uh, our history department. Uh, he's he's very he's been there very much. He's helped me throughout the process. Uh, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you so much for for Thank joining you. us today, taking our time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. So we're discussing Jasa Salana. Um, you know, uh, you've been part of this this blessed institution, especially here in 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 the in the UK. Um, the first question I wanted to ask you was, what are your earliest and and sort of most cherished memories of Jasa Salana in the UK? Um, basically, the most cherished memories would be when. The third Khalifa, Hazrat Khalifa Musi, the third attended the Jalsa Salana here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just, just like we're seeing today. There was a lot of activity. It, it gave a lot of life, a new lease of life to a lot of young people to mm. get involved in the community and, yes. to, and to and to give their services and to serve the guests of mm. Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Muhammad, the Prophet Islam, and to follow the instructions of Khalifa Musi as we do today. Yeah. And 
in the early days, the first that I can remember, yeah. the the events that, that took place were basically in these grounds of the mission house and in the hall there. But the for the for this particular jalsa, we we and for, for some earlier ones, we moved the site to uh, a, a local common, which yeah. is Wimbledon Common, yes. and uh, on on Rahamton Lane, and we had. Uh, two marquees there, one for ladies and one for men. Mm-hmm. And that was exciting because the community was quite small. Yeah. And uh, I remember all night long as a young, very young person <laughs> peeling potatoes and assisting in the kitchen, which was in Cresnall Road. Um, so you've seen personally just how it's grown into what it yes, is t- today, yeah, you know, where yeah. we're, we're expecting 40,000 plus people. Yes, yes. Or about that. Absolutely. And the whole the logistics, etc. But I think about... The thing about Jalsa Salana and the institution of Jalsa Salana that has been set up, as you mentioned, by the Prophet Islam, mm-hmm. is that it gathers Muslims and others from around the world who have a who, who wish to unite the world into one mm-hmm. and have had the same common game, goal yes. and uh, that, that come to learn and, ha- and, and how to better enact. And at the same time, yes. for those who participate as volunteers, there's thousands of volunteers now, yeah. it's a training. And I can say that myself, from early childhood, and as we see today, yes. children who are serving water in the marquees mm-hmm. at the age of seven, and even if you go to the kitchens, you see young, 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 young boys who are yes. peeling potatoes just as I did. Yeah. Yes. And that training and that working in groups, it, it enhances their lives, not just spiritually, yes. but also it gives them some confidence to work in groups and how to take, uh, and how to take roles in working in teams. And that benefits both in your spiritual life as well as your early life. And I think that's one of the great achievements that I think uh, and, and I would say cherished memories that I can have the, yeah. the early days how we were trained and where we and, and, the, and the challenges that we were had full faith in God Almighty as we do even now yes, <laughs> yes. as I am hanging now and, 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 and it's wonderful you mentioned that because the beauty of, of it all is you see that no work is too small you know we, we were discuss, discussing with our previous guests that people from you know you've got doctors and those entrepreneurs and people with businesses that come and do these tasks Voluntarily, right? Uh, absolutely. That's I the mean, beauty, yes, is, is, is yes, in office. Yes. Um, one of the roles that I had, and it was obviously to work in the kitchens for a long time, actually, and, and that was probably one of my most cherished memories because most, it's, right. it's a lot of fun as well. Although it's hard work, and you're feeding people, isn't it? You're yeah. feeding people, and you're creating uh, something that you never, you never, and you, you know. When I got married, my wife said, "I've heard that you've done a lot of cooking," <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and unfortunately, I didn't go to take it home. But for example, in the in the kitchens, we had you know bankers investment bankers, people who day job would be very different, mm. yes. coming and peeling and washing as well. And at the same time, those who in charge of us were to people from all backgrounds. You know, they would, they would be working in airports, they would be working in, in the railway lines, everywhere. Yes. So, so there's, there's no, we just took instructions and, and cleaned and, uh, and our doctors were <coughs> in charge of cooking as well. So it was very, mm-hmm. it, that was something that, that it gathers people of all backgrounds as yeah. one and, and, as, and at one level really. Yeah, right. And so you touched on it a little bit, but could you tell us more about the historical locations? Like, where has it evolved from? So, starting from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, there were in terms of international jalsa, mm. the, as we have today, that really was started when Khazar Khalif Musi the fourth, at the Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him, um, migrated to the UK because yep. of the, the persecution of, of Pakistan. But before that, in the UK. The, the early jalsas were held in the first mission house, which is the Fazl Mosque, which mm-hmm. is in in Patni, yeah. and, and that's and that's where we had in the grounds there initially. There is records that the early there were some earlier of, um, similar jalsas, probably in the forties, yeah. and where the missionaries that attended. What happened was that 
the, the after the partition of, of, of Pakistan, the Khalifa Muhammad II sent missionaries throughout the world to spread the word of Ahmadiyyat mm. to Europe in, in particular, especially after the Second World War, where there was so much devastation, and to bring them back towards God, towards God Almighty. Mm. So these missionaries then came to the UK, and from what I've read, and obviously Rahil Sapun can comment, but they did hold a small gathering at that time. Mm-hmm. But then after that, there was a bit of a gap. So then in 1964, because the main community came, em- emigrated, Israel immigrated into the UK mm. from Asia, from Pakistan, yes. India, yeah. and then from, from East Africa. So then the first, uh, and the local indigenous English population, they were also there, but the first uh, Jalsa was 1964, mm. which was held literally in the grounds of, of Masjid Fazl. There was a big house there and, and, and huge gardens. So mm. two marquees were, were, were put up there. In fact, there were no marquees <coughs> for the first one. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was open, open air. Open That's open right. Air. So the community was very humble here in the UK as well. Yeah. And then from there, we then moved, as I've explained, when... when because the blessings of of Jalsa are that the pious members, and I use the word pious because the, the Muslim, of the ones I remember have passed away as well, and we have new pious members here, but people are, who are spiritually elevated levels and the, the, the khulafa, the khalifas of the community. But in addition, we, we had the companions of the Prophet Islam who were still you know, with us, who used to address us. And so the, the, the numbers was growing. Yeah. So then the and then membership grew. So we moved to the we had a, we used to rent from the local authority, the local common, mm. and then hold our jobs and erect marquees. So that was the first time mm-hmm. that we really probably moved to erecting marquees at that scale. Although it was only a few hundred at the time, yeah. and then having parking out just outside the marquee or in the car park. So it was quite easy. So then from there, uh, as I mentioned in nineteen eighty uh, in nineteen eighty four, the Khalifa Musi the fourth. Um, came to the UK and the first Jalsa before was at that time we initially held the first day I, I remember in Masjid Fazl which is the in, in, in as I said in Putney but then the second day we had it in the Tolworth Rokesh Centre which is a big sports hall yeah. just off the A3 and then from there in 1985 as the we, we purchased through the blessings of Allah Ta'ala and, and the prayers of Khalifa Musi we purchased Islamabad which is mm-hmm. today has been um Re, re, um, redeveloped yes. as the Khalifa Tumasis resides now yeah. and so the early Jalsas were held there and, and that was for us was a totally new experience I mean that, that first Jalsa was really an international and, and you felt it mm. that I, I remember very clearly I, I, I late in the night I was asked that some guests have arrived from Indonesia and I had just about discovered how to drive to Islam <laughs> and, and can, there's a van there can, can you uh, could you just take these guests and it was heavy rain it was in, I think it was April so it was heavy rain yeah. and can you just take them to Islam by then so that was a really interesting experience to meet people from Indonesia full yeah. in, 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 you know and I hadn't come across people from Indonesia before oh, wonderful yeah. yes. um, uh, one, of, one, of, one of the things that I wanted to speak about was was um, the second Jasalana that the Prophet you know called for which was in 1892 and, and he specifically mentioned you know, multiple objectives of it and, and one of the objectives was um, or, or, or the purposes was, was was to establish effective strategies for the religious benefit of Europe and America, right? The propagation of Islam in the West, as you know, speak about. Your family's been here for let's say hundred years or so, isn't it? If, if I'm not mistaken, since 1918 or so. I mean, we we us too often speak about. So I think this is an opportunity to tell people that this is Salana or any other events that are taking place as a community here. Why are we here? What are we doing here in in in, in the West? Why are uh, you know these justice not taking place in Pakistan or elsewhere around the world due to the persecution, etc. as well? But you know you see like 
you, you see a cha- you see this chain from going back to the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him himself, where he starts this off and he mentions strategies where you know Islam could be spread to Europe and America, right? And then the mission moving here at the time of you know the fourth Khalifa, as you mentioned, and you guys have seen it with your own eyes how it has all developed. Do you think it was all a plan of God or it was just a coincidence that it just happened? Of course it's a plan of God Almighty. Um, this is the prophecy of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Also we have indications of the Holy Quran that the the, the, the son of Islam will, 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 will rise in the West. Yes. And so the mission of the Prophet Islam, it had to come and start here in, in a different form. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen, it has grown ex- ex- tremendously since 1985, especially as Khalaf yes. has come here. The objective you mentioned, what was the purpose of us coming here? And I think it's very important for all Ahmadi Muslims, you know, to realize that the only being of coming here is to spread a message of peace, which they're doing. And, you know, throughout, as you mentioned, we have lots of events with peace conferences. Every every Ahmadi goes out and and, and emulates the the message of peace. And and, and people quite easily highlight that this person is an Ahmadi. And and now, especially after the campaigns that we've had of the the league of leafleting and mm-hmm. on buses messages and yeah. through various various events, fundraising for charities, etc., yeah. people realize that this this community is very unique and has a very different approach in, in how to unite. But in terms of the the purpose, it is to unite mankind and bring them back to 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 the true worship and love of God Almighty. Today we see in in the world, especially here in in, in Europe and in the West a war taking place very close to us you know it's literally a couple of hours flight yeah. from Luton airport you know I, I, humanity first had um, when the war took place in ukraine they had a, they had a, they had a center mm-hmm. for, for for assisting the, the victims of uh, the war just on the border it was just 2 hours flight from london so wow. it's, it's very close to here and i think people are now realizing where whereas the, our, our beloved khalifa hazim mr ahmed has been warning the world of an impending nuclear war that you need to return to God Almighty, be just. Mm. And in in the past, many of the politicians and others I heard were just thinking, "This is just you know, this is not going to happen." But now we see everybody talking about it. And so the event of so so in terms of why are we are here and why are we have these jalsas and other events, and especially in the particular this jalsa slana, mm-hmm. is one is to inculcate in our members the spirit of love and unity and 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 and, and focusing on on themselves within also as, 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 a, as a as a society but yeah. also to emulate that outside and to re- it recharges re- 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 one's batteries I would say mm-hmm. uh, for, for, uh, to, go, to go out and to continue and those messages that we receive are very unique I don't think any world leader gives those kind of messages that we have from Hazrat Khalifa Musi absolutely yes and, and they are messages that will last centuries mm-hmm. and, 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 and for every member of our community and others you know they're always urged to go back and listen to these messages and, and see. You'll always learn something new every time you listen to it. Yep. Yeah. And as we know, just as a week away, so we wanted to hear from you. Are, are there any challenges that you faced when during the preparations and how how's progress going so far? And especially if you can also mention your your responsibility yeah. as, as, as way of serving in this Jalsa Salana. I mean, in, in terms of uh, f- f- the challenges that we had in the past, we had the the rains. So there, there, was, there was a large program of infrastructure to re put new infrastructure into the grounds of Hadik the Madi, which is in in Alton in Hampshire near there, yeah. and to 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 have a better drainage. And from the we had rain recently, quite heavy rain just a few days ago. Yeah. And from what I've heard, 
it drained very well and and uh, initially obviously get mud because it, uh, yeah. on the topsoil but the, the, the water dried dried away and and, and so the, that challenge seems to be gone other challenges obviously are we only have 28 days to put up a city not even 28 days you have probably 12 four, 13 days to put up a city before mm-hmm. the actual event yep. have it set up with all the infrastructure where you have people staying there you need complete supplies of you know electricity you know, for gas supplies for, for cooking, mm. you need accommodation set up, you have first aid, you need all sorts of infrastructure, road infrastructure, and that's done, a lot. A large part is done by volunteers as well, and, uh, and the other side. So that's a challenge to the volunteers, they give up their, their work, etc., and they come there. In terms of, as you mentioned, what I, but, it, but in terms of God Almighty has, has blessed us, and from what I, I heard yesterday, we're on target, uh, and, and, and of course, at every post, but I mean, there's lots of things happen. I mean, this is a faith-inspiring. As a volunteer, you see faith-inspiring incidents. I mean, the other day, yeah. uh, I had uh, to, to someone. Somebody had came and had <coughs> to go to uh, to Islamabad and to Adikramadi, and there was no transport. Mm. I said, "You wait," and I was praying. You're just praying. <laughs> I, and I was thinking, "How am I going to do it?" Of course, you pray. I, you did, I took time out, yeah. and, and I just said to the guy in the main gate here, Batavatu, you know, if you see somebody going to uh, Islamabad, was, uh, which was well, it, it was quiet at that time. Yeah, please do stop him. And I was thinking, you know, normally during the main Jalsa period, there's lots of cars coming yeah, and going, yeah. but it was the early days. And uh, I came out with this gentleman, and I was walking, and I was thinking, what to do now? Because I didn't have one car here. Yeah. And uh, the guy called me, he said, oh, this guy's just going to now. He said, stop. And he's one of my neighbors from where I live. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, actually, we're going to Islamabad. Yeah. And uh, then off to Hadikramadi, exactly what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. And it's just him and his. Uh, so, you know, so these are, these are maybe for a lot of people to say, well, that's a coincidence. But yeah. you have so many instances like this, and uh, lots of other instances I can relate. And everybody who works in Jalsa will say yes. And it has to be that God's hand is there. So, Absolutely. you mentioned the word challenge. Allah Ta'ala comes and uh, overcomes. You have to have confidence and faith in God. And, that's what I say. and one of the things you mentioned was really interesting about volunteers, right? I mean, nobody. And we always discuss this. We have these discussions about in, in, in the capacity of work that we do within the community. None of us are experts, right? Here, we are sitting here doing this program on, on, on Voice of Islam, right? We were kind of chucked into you know, this and just go and do it, right? You have the confidence of the Khalifa. You have his praise and all these things. It's, it's miraculous, to, be, you know, to, 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 to say the least, that the, the outcome that the people, these volunteers are able to produce, you know, no professional training whatsoever, They've gone to the work, started doing it, and you—you you know, you were speaking about from 1984. What was that jalsa that took took took, took place near Roehampton or Tolworth? You know, Tolworth. Yes, yes. The next year, you know, a site is bought in yes, you know yes. Islamabad, three-day event, and how it's just grown. And what I've what I've personally sort of gathered is the caliphate when it came here, you know, Khilafat, it pushed everything forward and just. You know, the night tick says, just do it, <laughs> right? And, and everything is just progressed, right? And, and that overthinking element of what would happen, stuff like that, I mean, go, I, go, I, goes out of the window, yeah. isn't it? I, I mean, the way to look at what levels of standards we've achieved, we've achieved standards which other, where local authorities, police, fire authorities, and, and, and the, the main authorities that run the country look at and think, we need to learn from this community. We, our, our level of organization through volunteers, and these are people who are passionate about what they do, is at a very high level of professionalism. I mean, there is no doubt. You mentioned volunteers, but these volunteers are very professional. I mean, we have got, by the grace of Allah, I don't think there's a professional field in the UK or, or even a non-professional field in terms of work field where we have not got members of our community that are experts that come to this service, yeah. from a water specialist to crowd specialist to road road engineers to all sorts of um, 
um, specialism to actual doctors. I mean, we've got, you know, I was talking to somebody at work. So what happens if somebody gets ill at your event? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have we, we do have amnesties, but we actually have a first aid. We have the Ahmadi Muslim Association of Doctors, the Doctors Association. And that, con- that they have the top consultants. I mean, I, I'm sa- you know, I said to them that you have the top consultants. So if you fell ill there, you get a better service than going to the A&E because the top consultant <laughs> will be there of all the t- faculties you can think from, whatever you can imagine from yeah. just, and they would be there and they would be to serve you. And, and I related to somebody in my family a couple of years ago fell ill. And, but, you know, the top consultant was then, you know, whatever they did was, you know, the, the hospital were amazed, you know, what, what had happened. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, we're coming to the end of the program, is, uh, and I hope we would, would have done two hours of this. It's so in- interesting. But one of the things I, I want to speak about, Jalsa Salana, and, and, and I want your take on this, is Jalsa being a source of unity. What I mean by that is in a world where, you know, unity is crucial, it's disheartening to see, you know, the Muslim Ummah, you know, especially consisting of 1.8 billion people, caught in a web of division from political and economic disparities to religious differences. Uh, disunity has become the prevailing narrative that we see. This lack of cohesion you know, leaves Muslims vulnerable to exploitation by external forces, which not only target their faith, but also subject them to persecution. And recently, His Holiness spoke about this, speaking about the Palestinian, you know, Palestinians, what they're going through you know, around the world. How is it that, how is it that Jalsa Salana, under the leadership of Caliphate, holds if you can explain the potential to unite the Muslim Ummah in a, in a, in a remarkable way. Okay, I, th- I think it's important for listeners to understand that when we talk about unity and bringing people together, yeah. it's to bring them together for goodness and for peace Absolutely, and yes. love and to create a harmony in the world yeah. that no, no human being is harmed. But in fact, Muslims are enhancing and are serving humanity. It's very important because the caliphate that we saw in the recently, uh, maybe you have obviously learned from the caliphates of the past, yes. which were not divinely guided. Yes. They were they were caliphates of, of terror and, 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 and totally, yeah. uh, and they actually split it, uh, not only among the Muslims, but they split society generally. Absolutely. So, so it's important that one realizes that when we talk about unity, we talk uh, and, and we bring the Muslims together, it is to create, bring them back to the true teachings of Islam, yeah. where... They are a benevolence. They are benevolent to society. Muslims have to be benevolent to society. They should not be that threatened society. And I think the Amity Muslim Association, the Amity Muslim Jamaat, sorry, has, that's the core of what Promise Islam has taught us, that you must be benevolent to society. And when you, when you believe in the unity of God, and it's part of that process is that where you have to serve mankind as well so that no human being is harmed. So the Muslims, as you mentioned, such as, for example, in Palestine, etc., the core responsibility of the Muslim world is to be united. Yes. But unfortunately, because of the political or whatever differences they have, and I would say totally religious differences, would they have different yep. theological differences as well. One of the objectives of Jalsa was to bring the splintered Muslim groups back and unite them mm. in the philosophy of the true philosophies of, of Islam. So in terms of what is going on in, in, in Palestine or other countries around the world where maybe, as you mentioned, Muslims are subjected and one, one, one a united, uh, united Muslim ummah would be far more effective. Yes. It would only be effective mm-hmm. if they come under the banner of the Khalifa of the time Absolutely, who's yeah. preaching mm-hmm. peace. If, it, if, it, if, it's, if it's to unite to create a war and a total chaos, they will never be united. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so, so to, 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 to be benevolent even to your enemy, yes. only only the true teachings of Islam under the, under our current Khalifa will teach you how to do that. Absolutely, yeah. because the Prophet is Prophet of Mercy, Rahmatullah Alameen. Yeah. 
right? The, the, the mercy for mankind. And, and when we're speaking of this, uh, you know, this unity, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not an idea that's just for the Muslims alone. But as, as, as you've you know, eloquently mentioned, it's something to bring the entire mankind you know, towards. Uh, we are coming to the end of the program. It's such a wonderful um, discussion that we're, we're, we're having. Lastly and very briefly, um, you know, what would your message be to those who are coming for the Jalsa first time? And they're going to especially those who are coming, who've come from Pakistan. You know, we were discussing this, you know, um, you know people who, who've never experienced this for a long time when Khilafat left from 1984. They, they haven't had that experience. What what would your message be for those people? Hazu's <laughs> going to give us that message. Of course, of course. Um, focus on prayer. Yeah. Yeah, and focus on and be patient, because you are a guest. If you are a guest here, and be patient with us, because we are obviously weak human beings. So yeah. if we have any shortcomings, you know, do be patient with us, mm-hmm. and. And pray for us, and and, and 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 focus on your prayers, and and focus on on, on, on praying for our Khalifa Musid that God gives him more strength, and, and and that and that whatever you learn from this jalsa that you can take back to your families, Impl- implement in your lives, yes, of course. Zakalai, yes, yes. it was wonderful speaking to you, uh, Nasirin Saab. It's, it's wonderful to have you on on our show. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so we, we, we're coming to the end of the program. You know this highly anticipated annual international gathering of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community will officially begin tom- uh, not tomorrow, actually next week. I'm getting a bit too excited yeah. here <laughs> uh, at Hadikatul Mahdi in Alton uh, from 28th to 30th July 2023. Am I correct? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> so um, with with Jalsa Salana 2000, you know 23 around the corner. Let us pray that the following blessed words of the Promised Messiah peace be upon are fulfilled in our favor. And the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, praying for the attendees of Jalsa, wrote, he said, I conclude with the prayer that for everyone who travels for attending this Jalsa, that is for the sake of Allah, may Allah the Exalted be with him, with them, reward them in abundant measure, have mercy on them, ease up for them their circumstances of hardship and anxiety, and eliminate the anguish and grief. May he grant them freedom from every single hardship and lay upon them, and lay open for them the ways of achieving their cherished goals, and raise them up on the day of judgment among those of his servants who are the recipients of his blessings and mercy. May he be their guardian in their absence until after the journey come to an end. O Allah, O sublime one and bestower of bounties, the ever merciful and the one who resolves all problems, do grant all these prayers and grant us victory over our opponents with signs because you alone have all the uh, prowess and power. Amin. Amin. So this was published in Majmu'a Ishtarat, 7th December 1892. So with that, we're coming to the end of the program. We only have about one minute to go. The Jal Jalsa Fahim is around the corner. It's next week. Uh, and we all can't wait, of course. But I think one of the most important things that, that we need to remember, as mentioned by uh, our, I guess earlier, is the purpose. Yeah. Why it's, it's It's not an ordinary event. Uh, you know, it's it's not some festival where we gather, but, yeah. but what is the purpose? Uh, as the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him has men- mentioned, here, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, come come and get that spiritual, um, that spirituality, and you know, feel the importance of it. I think that you know, it's something that will always reignite your faith, and you'll learn something for sure. And um, yeah, there'll be good food. There'll be um, <laughs> there'll be some great um, healthcare. <laughs> yes. So, um, but yeah, no, it's it's really something special. And this one, after 
about four or five years it's the international one so it's going to be something special and before we end the show we also want to thank our guests and um, our producers uh, Shireen Gould and uh, Rahil Ahmed and um, yeah that's everything from us uh, and Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh